0: Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with Brown and Brown and a nice opportunity to welcome Matthew Takamine, the new captive practice leader at the firm. Over the next 15 minutes, Matt will be joined by his colleague and a familiar voice in Jason Flaxbeard to discuss the new leadership of the captive management and consulting business at Brown and Brown, as well as innovative uses of capital, governance and how to work with captive regulators. So a few changes at Brown and Brown recently, Matthew, you are now... Brown & Brown's captive practice leader. Many in the market and our listeners will know you from uh, your previous roles at, at Beach Carlson and Brown and & Brown and, and position on the board of the Hawaii Captive Insurance Council. So welcome to the role and, and what excites you about taking on leadership of the captive practice and, and what are some of your initial priorities?
1: Uh, thank you very much, Richard. It, it's a, a pleasure to be back here on, on the pod and to, to see you in person. It's been it's yep. been too long. Yeah, It's been absolutely. much too long, um, but, you know, having worked with captives for the, the past 20 plus years, the last 15, 16 of which have been with Brown and Brown. Um, I have a deep connection to and commitment to this industry. In uh, serving as our operations leader or COO for the, you know, for the past number of years, probably past five, six years or so. I'm passionate about delivering services which go above and beyond our customers' expectations, as well as providing our, our clients with innovative solutions to their business needs. I'm also deeply committed to the people in our industry, um, in particular, the professionals that work on our team, as well as our clients. I get tremendous satisfaction in developing our teammates as captive professionals. Captives and alternative risk have always been an integral part of Brown and Brown Risk Solutions DNA. It's a place that encourages and embraces innovation, and it's conducive to delivering exceptional client service as well as to developing exceptional client service professionals. As captive practice leader, I look forward to continuing these traditions while strategically enhancing and expanding our, our service offerings.
0: Yeah, and it's a really exciting time to be in captive, isn't it? I think the last three years have been a, a great time to be in this industry, and and there's so many exciting things going on. And, and new captives being formed, and you obviously you guys have been involved in many of those. Jason, you've previously led this captive practice, and you've worked closely with Matt for for many many years what
2: makes him the right man for the job well, Matt and I have known each other for goodness knows how long. I, I won't age myself there. I was 15, little, little, yeah, fifteen, sixteen. Years. Yeah, little less grey hair at that stage. You know, not quite the badger I am today. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I partnered with Matt to run the Hawaii office fifteen years ago, and he was the right man for that for that job at, the, at that time. I love his commitment to clients. I love his friendship. It, it, he's he's thoughtful. He's kind, and he always puts the client first. And those traits don't exist in everybody. And he's so technical as well. That Richard he's uh He does a wonderful job for our clients, and uh, it's just been a pleasure working with him all these years, and he was absolutely the right choice for this role, so I'm I'm delighted he took it. It's going to be great under your leadership, Matt, and uh, we're excited for you. I'm really happy for you. It's been a pleasure working with you all these years.
0: So, Matt, what do you think, in terms of the client side then, what what are some of the big priorities and, and big topics for captive owners right now, since it's been a pretty, I just came off the back of presenting the Economic Landscape Panel at VCA now, and it's a pretty turbulent environment out there, and insurance environment as well these past three years so what are are those big ticket items you think uh, clients are caring about
1: yeah, incredibly turbulent. The past few years have brought so much change. Um, the pandemic coupled with the first real hard markets we've seen in you know a decade or more. Mm-hmm. um have had everyone looking at ways to utilize their captives more more fully to provide coverage um, that's either become really expensive or that is altogether unavailable or to just lower their, their organization's total cost of risk. So first, taking a step back, if you were a captive owner, I think the last Few years, then you're already in a great spot. You're yeah. you had a leg up on your competition, and you've probably heard this before. But you know, I haven't seen a time, at least in the last you know 15 years, where we've had so much interest, so many inquiries about forming new companies. Uh, we've been really busy over the last few years talking with prospective captive owners, um, doing feasibility studies, building new captives, as well as talking with current captive owners about how to best utilize their companies, trying to just meet current challenges, maximize the. Um, their companies to the fullest. Uh, as far as current priorities of captive owners, I have to say, first and foremost, is ensuring the organization's coverage needs are, are met. Um, we've seen a lot of that over the, over the years or the last couple of years. Um, for example, many risk managers and buyers of insurance, as they can relate, certain lines of insurance have become extremely expensive um, over the past few years, or um, in, in other cases, coverage may altogether be unavailable. Uh, I've seen quite a few instances uh, recently where captive owners use their companies to, to meet these needs, whether it be fill a gap in you know, property tower or um, cyber coverage, or to access Florida windstorm markets, provide DNO or executive liability coverages, and the list goes on. Many of these discussions alt- ultimately come down to how to best deploy an organization's capital.
0: Yeah, and on, on that capital deployment question, and, and capital deployment and optimization, Jason, is, is that's a topic you and I have discussed a little bit previously on an episode, I think many, many years ago, maybe the second ever episode of, of Global Captive Podcast in 2019. And it's obviously central to, to most captive strategies. So are you seeing any particularly innovative uses of, of capital in, in captive and, and risk financing structures?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a question that comes up all the time with our clients uh, all of whom have limited budgets so the question is if you had a dollar to spend where would you spend that dollar Wh- which risk would you buy down Wh- which would you uh, retain which what would you transfer you want to transfer the risk that's most volatile so if there's a there's a if there's a long tail event that could potentially happen you want to try and transfer that to a to a carrier uh, and, and retain as much frequency and uh, a little bit of severity on your own balance sheet. But the capital is so valuable these days, it's really hard to work out where, where it's coming from. Is, is it coming from yourself? Is it coming from third parties? Is, are there a new entrance in our space? And th- there are markets now who are looking to try and uh, create risk-based trading markets, especially in London, which is becoming a, uh, a great hub for, for, for innovation. And there are entities over there who are backed by third-party capital, who want to bring in risk and quantify it and trade it. It becomes a, a market-making operation. And, and that, that sort of that, that sort of structure is is new, it's innovative, and it allows companies to uh, to, to get in and out of risk uh, from an investment side. And it also allows buyers of, of risk transfer to get cer- certainty for what they're trying to create, but partner with different sources of capital. And honestly, what we're looking for in our space is competition around sources of capital. If there's no competition, the capital that becomes cheapest is our own. So that's that's why captives are much more useful in hard markets, and we and we tend to to utilise that as best we can. And as somebody said to me the other day, once a market is no longer used, and the captives take that place of the market, very rarely do companies go back into that marketplace. Yeah. So it becomes the captives are starting to lead the way growing and growing and growing, accessing new sources of capital, and and companies want to sit behind captives as reinsurers and providing these market-making opportunities uh, for for these risk repositories, and that's the key thing. Captives are becoming companies' risk repositories, which is wonderful.
0: I had a had a conversation with Paul Phillips at EY, and I hope I'm not uh, speaking out of turn because this is a coin. The phrase he's looking to coin now, but he was saying that you know when you look at the the sheer volume of premium now that's going into the, the captive global captive market, and obviously the asset base of captives globally. Oh, it's huge around the world. Yeah, you know, he was saying,
2: can you legitimately call captives the alternative market anymore? It's it's a market. It's, it's a genuine market. The only thing that's missing out of that market is the tradability of the risk. Okay. Uh, the, the, inside captives, there's very little pooling between captives. There are a few structures out there. And I think that would be the next thing that starts to develop. Once once the market in the captive space becomes the market, with, with insurers becoming reinsurers sitting behind captives more often, I think that there, there, there can become some tradability in this risk, which is, I think is, is, is the next step. Maybe that's five years away, Richard. We always talk about this. I always say everything's 10 years away. Yeah. Because that's when I'll be retired. <laughs>
0: (laughs) So let's go back to that third-party capital bit, though, because I'm interested to dig into that a bit further. So should captives be looking for third-party capital to help them fund, what, Bigger retentions and, and entering new lines of insurance is that is that the play?
2: That is the that is the dream. There are ILS structures out there, but that's not naive capital, Richard. That 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 that's smart capital who's looking for good risks, um, and it's not easy to put together. So once you put it together, it needs to be. Well, traditionally, it's always been short tail risk that needs to be uh, supporting a risk position that can can exit after a specific amount of time, usually about a year. What we're trying to create now, in, in from a long term perspective, is a market that that can take all risks, not just short tail risks. So the third-party capital that's coming in is now starting to look at insurance not just from a, a short-term hard-market property type of a play or a cyber play. They might they might consider casualty lines. They might consider D&O lines or, or items with tail risk.
0: So, Matt, in your, in your roles uh, over the time, you've had a lot of interaction with, with regulators, particularly because you've been on the operation side. What is the key for captives and their managers to, to building relationships with regulators? We talk about it a lot, particularly in the US market, because regulators are a little bit more open and they, they're willing to meet clients face-to-face very different to that in europe so what are the key to building relationships here and and when you're working on a project that is a little bit different or maybe a bit outside the box how do you go about
1: presenting those ideas so the regulator can understand and is is comfortable with them Uh, it's a great question richard and um you know we actively manage companies all across north america Uh, and i think like many things in the industry it all comes down to to relationships it's doing things the right right way, time after time, year after year. And in doing so, you build this this foundation of trust, I think, with, with regulators. That and keeping open, proactive communication, you build that relationship and you build a good work product and reputation for, for yourself and your team. You know, our clients rely on us to provide them with business solutions that not only make sense, but will also pass regulatory muster. Having those relationships with regul- with regulators, particularly uh, when you know you're under the gun and you need to get a solution in place for a mm. client right away, like you said, um, they're they're critical. Jason, any
0: other thoughts on those kind of? Reg- you bring some wacky ideas to regulators, don't you?
2: I, I do, I do, and <laughs> reputation is key. You know, we, we we have reputation risk when we walk into a regulator's office as well as the clients. You know, so if you're if you're bringing a a blue chip. A company to a regulator, they want to make sure that, this, that it's going to get approved and, and at least considered. And one of the things we find is that if you can quantify the risk, if you can put numbers behind your idea and show that you've thought this through, demonstrated that it's going to be beneficial for, for for your client, and demonstrate to the regulator that it's not going to be a huge amount of extra work and it and it does fit inside that, their laws, most regulators in the U.S. are very happy to to, to partner with, with with good clients. But you have to do it in the right way you always have to over report you have to make sure that everybody's comfortable
0: Matt last question I want to talk about is on the on the governance theme and and good governance is is it's always been important but I think it's fair to say it's increasingly important when it comes to captives particularly as they continue to expand and become increasingly sophisticated risk financing vehicles as we've discussed and, and really key subsidiaries uh, to, to the larger group and, and captive financials can be quite complex so when it comes to discussing and presenting these to the board of the group what is the best way to discuss and, and present uh, kind of captive financials to the board to make sure we actually understand what's going on?
1: Yeah, it's such a relevant question and, and issue because generally our, our clients are not in the business of insurance. Mm. Um, and oftentimes, uh, board members who um, aren't really dialed into the captive industry or the insurance industry. So we regularly do training sessions for our, our boards, our officers uh, of the companies that we manage. For some, we even have complete curriculums, nuts to bolts on, you know, captive 101, how to read financial statements, captive financial analysis, uh, trends and ratios, regulatory requirements, as well as corporate governance.
2: It's all about all about education, there, Jason. It's all about education, and I'll give a plug to our friends at IC here. I I, I do a uh, a session for them once a year on corporate governance, and, and we see that that that's a very worthwhile course, you know, for for all your listeners as well. Um, it's something that everybody has to understand. It's it's a different vehicle from the corporate vehicle. Corporate vehicle sells widgets. The Captive does insurance. Things like IBNR, Unearned Premium, OSLR, they don't exist usually at the, the corporate level, but they do for the Captive, and you have to understand what they are, how regulators look at them, because you're sitting on a board, and you, you owe a duty of care to that board. And people like Matt, Matt, Matt put these curriculum together, and uh, our, our, our boards love them, because they, they they are tailored to their specific Captive, and they, they, they demystify uh, the, the, the workings of the Captive, which is wonderful. So uh, Matt, Matt's done a great job for our clients on that.
0: Presumably as well, a board that does have that understanding and is informed will only benefit the captive because they can have an informed discussion about what's being presented to the captive by the risk manager or is the right way to go and an informed board is going to be a much more effective board.
2: Absolutely. And the, the other the other thing that's, that's starting to happen is as captives grow, they're becoming more material for their for, their, for yeah. their companies. And and if you're a publicly traded company, having material subsidiaries with fit and proper board members is, is key. I've seen captives Cactus now start to look at independent directors a lot as well, which is, um, which is very beneficial. But um, I, I, as, as the growth of Cactus continues, board management and uh, board education is going to become more critical as, as this industry grows.
0: I think just lastly for myself, I think it's great to hear actually you're seeing that in the North American market regarding independent directors come to boards because it's been fairly common in Europe. Guernsey particularly, some of the very large caps in Guernsey definitely do have, it might even be a regulatory requirement to have a a non-executive director on a captive board that isn't from the group or isn't from the captive manager. And uh, I think if you get the right person in that role, they can provide a lot of value but it's got to be the right person it can't just be someone who's ticking off 25
1: boards a year yeah.
0: and uh and matt thank you for coming on to the global captive podcast again and
1: congratulations on the new role no oh, thanks thanks so much richard i appreciate that
0: Well, thank you to Matt Takamine and Jason Flaxbeard for a thought-provoking 15-minute discussion, which I think contained some hints as to the direction some of the most sophisticated captives are looking to head in. For more information on Brown & Brown and their captive services, please do visit their Friend of the Podcast page on the globalcaptivepodcast.com website. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives.